Oh, man. Hello, everyone. Y'all doing okay? Yeah, man. It's a Sunday night. We get to be together no matter if things are high or they're low. Man, we are together and we're grateful to get to be together tonight. I do have uh, some, some news this evening as we get started um, that's a little heavier for us. And so we're going to have this news and we're going to pray over uh, and, then, and then we're going to move forward with our message tonight. But many of you guys know Luis Neighbors. Uh, and uh, Luis is the son of one of our pastors. He pastors um, our Thrall campus and then also is here on a part-time basis through um, our Hutto campus. And uh, his son, Luis, has been in the hospital for 30-some-odd days at this point now, uh, and, uh, and he is a, the recipient of a kidney transplant six years ago. He calls his kidney Fred. Okay, well, here's the thing that we have to know about Luis. Um, uh, Luis, they got news yesterday that, that Fred is failing, and, uh, and so um, it is, it's not, uh, it's, it's, he's failing. And, uh, and so there's some unknowns that are coming in the future. Uh, the good news is there are some options, but it's a, it's a fairly rigorous process that they're going to be working through in order to identify what is possible, what is not possible. And, uh, and so we have been praying alongside Clint, Julie, um, Blair, Arpita, and Luis for six years, actually before that, as we were praying Arpita, you know, to come this direction um, from India. Uh, to be adopted by them. And so, so we've been praying for the neighbor's family a long time. At this point right now, they need some extra special intercession and they need us to come alongside them in a way. So text messages and things like that to just give encouragement to them, scripture messages, prayer, um, those kinds of things. Let's do, a, let's do a good job of coming alongside them as they step into what's going to happen over the next however long it's going to happen. And so uh, can we pray for Luis right now? Um, he is, you guys know, if you've met Luis, you've met Jesus. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, that boy, we call him pastor, right? I mean, he, he, he calls me, say, hey, when are we have our next pastor's meeting, Danny? You know, I'm like, buddy, we're gonna make it happen. You know, and so he is extra special and he has an anointing on him from the Lord that is just over and above. And so you guys, uh, let's pray over him and let's ask God to do what God does. Father, we, uh, we come together this evening, and my guess is across this room, there's a sinking feeling inside um, as we hear words like failing. Um, Lord, I pray that you will be near to Luis, that Lord, that as you have been his entire life, since you breathed life into him and his heart started beating, Lord, you have been so near to him. Lord, I pray that you will be extra near right now, and Lord, be with Clinton and Julie as they are tired. Care for them as they have been caring for in such a remarkable way. Lord, I pray that you will give them strength. And Lord, that it would be a supernatural strength, a supernatural resilience, a supernatural trust in you, that you see everything. And so Lord, we know that Luis has impacted countless lives on this planet. Clint and Julie have impacted countless lives by saying yes to him coming into their home. And Lord, I pray that right now that we would see countless more lives impacted from his life. But Lord, not at the expense of his life. Lord, we long for him. And so Lord, would you sort out the details? Would you sort out the future? Would you sort out all of the options? And then Lord, would you go exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can ask or imagine. Lord, we are asking for things we know nothing about. We're so thankful that you do, and we're thankful that you want to hear what we want. 
And uh, that's what we want, Lord. And so we just ask for you to be near and to wrap your arms around them. Help us to wrap our arms around them. Help us to live with them the way we do as church. We love you. We pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift at this point right now into, into our, our message. But we're, we're talking about failing in the message, though, also. And so I can't help but see a connection and failing forward as we're, we're drawing closer to the Lord in our moments of failure, in our moments of, of difficulty and hard and all that kind of stuff. You know, most every successful person that we admire, there's failure preceding their success. It's pretty cruel. There's a famous Nike commercial that Michael Jordan stated. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Man, right? Christians fail too, right? Christians fail, and man, when that hits the news, it's pretty dang ugly, isn't it? Because when that happens, it's not only failure, man. It is like crash and burn, and it, there is failing hard in that moment. We've seen some high-profile things, obviously, back in 1988. There's the downfall of Jim Baker to then recently. There's some more prominent failures like Bill Hybels, Ravi, Ravi Zacharias. The thing is, when these leaders fail, man, they fall hard. And it is ugly, and it is not good, and it, it blemishes the body of Christ, and it's not okay. It's not okay. It's hard. You know what the reason is for their failure and the reason they fall so hard? Their reason for their failure is their false self outshines their true self. Let me say it again. The reason for failure is their false self outshines their true self. Now, we're going to talk about this false self versus true self thing because it is indeed a thing. Richard Rohr, who is one of my recent most favorite authors, I got a lot of them, but recently one of my more favorite authors, he writes in his book entitled Falling Upward. He writes these words, the true self is what religion often calls the soul, your eternal essence. The false self is the persona you create for yourself. Now keep in mind, there's two things here. There's the false self that we're creating what we want, who we want to be, that's defined by all kinds of things. And then we have the true self that is who we are designed to be, with a supernatural design weaving us together in our mother's womb with great purpose and specific intent for our lives. This is our true self. And we're in this journey of trying to discover false self versus true self, and we want to live and our goal in life should be to find and manifest our true self. And when we do that, guess what happens in failure? It's interesting. When we're living out of our true self and we fail because we have this nature about us that it has a propensity to choose not God, when we fail, we actually fail forward. When we're pursuing the true self, because we're desiring to be who God made us to be and to figure out who God made us to be. And in that lane of trying to figure out who God made us to be, we're going to miss the mark. And when we miss the mark, it allows God the ability to pull us right back into shape because we're desiring to know who we really are. 
We wanna live out of the true self. And so today we're starting a new series. And this is our new series, Fail Forward. And this is what we're trying to do. It's gonna be five weeks. We're gonna follow um, and we're gonna explore how Christ followers can fail forward on the way to discovering our true self. This is not a self-help series, but we definitely want to find out who God made ourselves to be. Now, we're gonna understand salvation. We're gonna explore the need to acknowledge our brokenness. We're also gonna work through how we can forgive other people. And through these different lenses, we're gonna hopefully discover, if you don't already know, who we really are by growing from the failures that happen in our lives. Because failure is totally an option. Totally an option. The truth, though, is we're not bound to sin. We're not bound to sin, and we can actually learn from our mistakes in our new life in Christ. Now, we're going to explore this a little bit more because there's a lot of loaded stuff that I've said already in tonight's message. Here's our problem. Our problem is, for Christ followers, the subject of failure, it deals with sin. It's ugly. It's hard. we got to deal with this thing. It deals with salvation, holiness, ethics, and it deals with what the Christian life is supposed to look like. It deals with what a Christ follower's life is reflecting on this earth. And so we have these questions we have to kind of wrestle with in this identification. The first one is this. Is the Christian life just one of constant failure? Is that the Christian life? We're just every day, all day long, we're just failing. We're sinning, we're selfish, we're all these things, and it's just a life of constant failure. Are we helpless sinners who will never make progress? And we just kind of embrace this reality, and thank goodness Jesus is continuing to save us because we're just kind of sunk? We ask questions like, aren't we supposed to be perfect? It's a tough question. We say things like, we're saved from something, eternal damnation, hell, right? But are we saved for something? So as we wrestle through some of these questions, we're in the process of identifying our true self, who God made us to be, what life really looks like, how we reflect Jesus in a way that is Jesus-worthy reflecting. Our text for today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Paul's letter to the Romans. Letter, uh, chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. I'm just going to read these, and then we're going to unpack some of this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. Sin shall no longer be your master. What then? Interesting question. Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? It's not my master anymore. I just get to do it, right? Paul says, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, 
or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. See, Paul is in this moment where he's describing this tension. Sin and holiness in the Christ follower's life. Where's the balance? How does this play out, this sin versus this holiness? And then he declares these words in verse 17. He says, thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. It's the goal. It's the goal to be set free from sin and to become slaves to righteousness. Now, Romans 6 deals with two questions. These are kind of some cool questions here. The first question is this. Are we to continue to sin so that Jesus can be made known? Because we can declare our need for Jesus. And we can show people, man, see, I still need Jesus. And so I just keep doing what I really don't want to do. It makes Jesus known. I'm forgiven for every sin I'm ever going to do, so what's the big deal? It just shows that Jesus really is continuing to save me no matter what I do or don't do, that we have this reality. The second question is, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? And this is where phrases like, I'm only human, come from. I mean, I've said those words. You may have said those words. Gosh, I'm only human. I'm not perfect. I'm only human. This is where that phrase comes from, is that are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? Is that okay for us to do these things? I mean, gosh, I mean, give me a break. I'm not Jesus or anything. This is where those things come from. What Paul is doing is he's trying to show that God's grace and God's forgiveness actually don't give us a license to do anything we want. They don't give us a license to sin because believe it or not, God does care about our moral character. God does genuinely care about our moral character. Not solely because it makes God look good, but God knows it's what's best for our lives as we live here on this earth because sin leads to death. Obedience leads to life. And this is what God longs for in our lives. Now there's this theologian whose origin, he's actually the most influential theologian of the post-Nicene period, he described death to sin in this way. What he said is this, to obey the cravings of sin is to be alive to sin, but not to obey the cravings of sin or succumb to its will, this is to die to sin. Paul tells the believers, he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Now, what this doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that we won't sin anymore. It doesn't mean that one will never sin again. But what it does mean is you and me, people who've chosen Jesus, are no longer a slave to sin where you can't not sin. We're no longer bound by this because in Jesus, that cord has been cut and we are now free to choose righteousness, to choose Jesus, to choose the way in which we should go. A believer is not a slave to sin and doesn't have a life that's bound to coloring outside of the lines and living a life in that way. Now, here's what I'm trying to say tonight, and here's where we're going with this. If you want to be set free 
from the obligation to serve sin, discover your true self. Because the root cause of all sin in our lives is the false self. It's the self that's trying to create this persona, trying to put forth this image, trying to write this particular story, even if that particular story, the whole motivation is to make God look good. It's still the false self. It's still the false self. And false self is rooted in selfishness. It's self-serving. And this is where that comes from. If we want to be set free from the school of hard knocks, if we want to get, be set free from the obligation to serve sin, discover the true self. I mean, Titus 2, only the grace of God can train us for godliness. Only the grace of God can keep us faithful to the end. You want to be faithful to the end. You want to live a life that reflects who Jesus is to the end. It can't be out of your false self. You've got to run your lane. You've got to run your race that God marked out for you in a really beautiful way. I mean, only the grace of God, 2 Timothy can grant us fresh repentance. Y'all, there are so many people on this earth that are functioning outside of the way that God created them. Do you know that? So many people that are trying to run this particular race. So many people that are trying to run in a certain way. And running in that way is only leading to difficulty. It's only leading to hurt. It's only leading to things not happening that are desired to happen. This is a, a reality for so many people. It leads to continual disappointment. It leads to a life that is so low. Now, I'm not saying that whenever you are, identify your true self, that in that moment you've learned who God has made you to be. You're running that race, and man, there's no more hard stuff that happens in your life. No, what I'm saying is when the hard stuff comes, you respond differently out of your true self than you do out of your false self. False self gets desperate and gets crazy. True self gets steady. True self is secure. True self trusts God with the outcome. False self trusts self. Gets disappointed with other people. Gets jealous by comparing. That's false self stuff. But true self, there's a steadiness. There's a certainty. There's a security that comes because we know who we are and we know whose we are. Imagine it this way. Moltmann is a theologian who, who, his theology is a really, really pretty cool theology. It's imagine God out in the future. We know God is ever present. We know God's past, present, future. So imagine God out in the future. And imagine that your life, God is just pulling you unto himself. Now, any of you ever been water skiing before? Been on a water ski, slalom, two skis. Anybody two skis? Who's slalom? Yeah, right. Slalom, super fun. Once you learn how. You got this rope, and that, that boat is pulling you, right? You're on this boat, and you're going. And, man, if you're really good, you can get that little rooster tail when you go out to the side. But what happens when you get out to the side and you try to cut back in? You're holding on to that rope. You better pull it tight because it's about to pull hard, isn't it? This is that idea. God's pulling you to yourself. Yeah, it's so true. The easiest route is to just go with God. But the most tension comes when we come outside of the will of God. It creates tension. It creates difficulty. It creates some things that are hard. However, in those moments, if we're pursuing who God is, that tension can help us. Sometimes you fall, but you fall forward. 
And there's this failing. I'm failing towards God as God's pulling me to himself. Because out of my true self, I long for more than anything to be in relationship with my heavenly father. And that's what's going to get me where I want to go. And so rather than just crashing and burning and it being just this utter catastrophic, no, there's a failure that takes, takes us forward because we learn from it, we grow from it, and we do better. We come more and more like Jesus. And so there's a couple of questions that can help us kind of navigate where we are in our lives right now, false self versus true self. Here's the first question. Who or what defines your hopes and dreams? Is it you just being able to imagine the best thing you can imagine? And then you go after it and dadgummit, you're strong and you're powerful and you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you can go do this thing. And you know what? A lot of times you can do pretty dang good at that. But there's always something missing. Who defines your hopes and your dreams? Who's the one that you do? What defines it? Is it stuff? Is your hope and dream simply to make enough money to be able to buy that house or that car? Come on. Who defines it? What defines your hope and your dreams? Second question, what or who defines why you do or don't do what you do or don't do? There's a lot of do in there and do, do, and do, whatever, whatever. So there's a lot in this thing, right? Who or what defines why you do or don't do what you do or don't do? Who, what, do, don't, who? What defines the why behind your actions? Who defines it? Are you just so afraid you're going to disappoint him? Are you so afraid you're going to disappoint her? Are you scared to death of your parents? Are you scared of your boss? Do you function out of freedom? Do you function out of being bound? What is it? Who defines? What defines? Your actions. Is it a persona that you're trying to attain? Some accolades that you're really counting on for people on this earth? Are you trying to create who you are for God? Can you believe that that actually can be a false self-action? That I'm trying to manifest all of the characteristics of Jesus in my life, in my own power, in my own strength, rather than just submitting to the authority of Jesus in my life. I can create all the good stuff. And people think I'm awesome. You know, chances are, there's some of you that are in this room tonight, and you're beginning to kind of think, man, I'm not sure I'm not sure if I function more out of my false self or my true self. I'm not really sure if I know the difference between the two at this point right now, other than I know one's good, one's bad, right? It may be if you're realizing that you're trying to create who you are for God, chances are life is filled with unrest. Chances are life might even could feel upside down. Because like I said, false self, that's one of the products of false self. True self leads to steady, leads to security. It leads to the fruit of the Spirit. The good news is there's hope. 
not all is lost. If you're here and you're like, man, dude, my life is totally upside down. I am totally at just crisis inside of my body all the time. There's hope. Because when we die to this false self and we settle into our true self, God is able to do far more in us than we can ever imagine. There's all these examples of the false self versus true self that are played out in Scripture. I mean, you remember the story about when Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife because she was so beautiful. It was afraid that he would get killed because she was so beautiful, so he lied about who he was and who she was and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 that Abraham. That Abraham went on to become the father of many nations, the one that God populated the earth through. Remarkable. And yes, that same Sarah who mocked God for God's plan, yeah, who got the last laugh on this one, 90-year-old lady getting pregnant? Whoa, don't mock God. Can you imagine? Good grief. I realize they lived way, way longer. It was not the same. But anyway, still, Sarah laughing at God's plan. Joseph, he's a self-absorbed dreamer. You ever been that before? Self-absorbed dreamer. When he put on his true self, guess what Joseph did? Saved his people from certain death. Amazing. Moses was a murderer. Then he led God's people out of Egypt. Samson lived with a prostitute. God one day used him to defeat the enemy. Gideon was a scared farmer. God formed him into a mighty warrior. David was an adulterer and a murderer. God helped put him, uh, put on his true self, and he became a man after God's own heart. Peter denied Jesus, then went on to become the leader of the church as we know it today. And Paul persecuted Christians in his false self, then became the greatest Christian missionary of all time. True self versus false self. So wherever you are, if you're in here, then you realize you've been pursuing after the glitz and the glamour of the false self because you're just drawn to that. The true self, it equals things that you don't want right now. But life's upside down. Something's missing. There's hope. Story after story after story. And I'm I'm not exempt from this. This is my story. This is many of your stories in this room. I mean, I know for me, whenever I was a freshman in college, I'm playing football, I'm pre-med, and I wanted to become an orthopedic surgeon. You want to know what my reason was to become an orthopedic surgeon? I wanted to help people. Paycheck didn't hurt. But I wanted to help people. Well, this was kind of a noble thought. I wanted to be a team doctor and all that kind of stuff. You know, that was kind of a noble thought. That was out of really my false self. Because that pursuit led to a lot of emptiness my freshman and sophomore years in college as I, as I bounced from all kinds of these classes and everything that I was doing to other classes. And, I, and then eventually I was like, I get to do something different. This isn't it. And I'm dating this girl and, and, uh, and her dad was an orthopedic surgeon and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I thought I was going to marry her, but that didn't work out. Uh, and, you know, it's just all these things. Praise God that didn't work out. Holy cow. Whew. Rachel Cook is all I have to say on that one. Anyway, um, I'm so glad that that didn't work out. But, but the, you know, I'm, I'm doing all these things. My life's just completely upside down. My dad gets fired from a church, and in that same moment, I'm hearing the Lord say, you're called to ministry. Now, isn't that a weird thing? And now here I am, helping people. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. There's another part of my life that's, that's the same kind of false self versus true self, parenting. All right, parenting is a big one. See, I used to view my family as like 
going to make me look good, right? Raise, we're, Rachel and I, we're going to have these pretty kids, and, and they're going to they're raise up, and they're going to do all these kind of things, and man, they're going to make us look good. That was kind of what I thought parenting was all about. You go on, and you do your thing. You make us look good, and, and, uh, and then you go on, and, and your kids make you look good because you've now followed in this generational way. Wow. Little did I know what my life was going to be like because it was out of that false self that I told Rachel, we will never be a foster family. Stop asking me. You see how well that worked out, didn't you? Because you know what she did. She went to praying for two years. Finally discovered my true self and in a moment of insecurity, not insecurity, but in a moment of instability, maybe insecurity too, I walked over to Rachel. I said, I think we need to foster at this point now. False self, true self. Now, the interesting thing is, there's a bunch of pastors out there that probably need to be orthopedic surgeons, right? There's also a bunch of foster parents that don't need to be foster parents. You can do false self, true self, no matter what your motivation is, is what I'm getting at. And so this is an important piece of the puzzle where we're asking God, who am I? I'm tired of trying to just re- tired to make my own path. Who am I, Lord? Because this upside down reality I'm living in, it's enough. We want to step into the will and the way of God. And so here's where we are tonight. We've embarked on a journey. We've embarked on this journey to really kind of sort through. What does it mean? And so is it possible for me to go down this path and, whoops, that was not it, and then come back this way, whoops, that was not it? Absolutely. The motivation has to be, God, who am I? What do you long for me to do? How do you long for me to do it? And then I step into that with a peace inside of me that I'm trusting is God. This is what we're longing to do. We've embarked on this journey, and it's a journey to the true self, and it is the true self that God imagined into being when he breathed life into us and our hearts began beating. Now, of course, we have to understand, absolutely, we are drawn to what the world has to offer. Yes, we are drawn to things that shimmer and shine, things that lead to life with no boundaries, no accountability, lots of pleasure, perceived happiness, self-made man, self-made woman, each of which leads to a life that will be upside down. Yeah, we're drawn to these things, but it will lead to a life where stress is high and things are, oh, it's just upside down. And as believers, we know, don't we? Anyone can fall into sin. But what it doesn't mean is we now make excuses for it. It doesn't mean that we habitually are bound to sin because we are capable of following the will and the way of God and to be set free from sin, to be set free from temptation. God desires us to put away and to die to the false self, to our false reality, and instead put on our true self. Would you please remember the good news of Jesus? It's the only way to abolish sin, shame, condemnation, because those are tools of the enemy. It's the good news of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus' death 
Burial and resurrection brings life, and it brings immortality to light for all of us. It's a pretty sweet deal. God has a way that is true to how God has made us. And so I ask a few questions as we finish up this evening. We start trying to move into a little bit of a response time here. Think about this for just a moment. Who are you? Not what do you do professionally. Who are you? Not who you're married to and how many kids you have and what your favorite cookie is. Who? Got to know who you are. How did God put you together? Why did God put you? Why are you on this earth? What purpose? Can you answer these questions? Is your life upside down? Why? I hope in just a few moments, I'm going to pray. And when I finish praying, so while I'm praying, band's going to come back up here, and they're going to poof, they're going to appear when you open your eyes, and they're going to start playing music. And as they play music, what, here's what I'm hoping. I hope that you'll take the next few moments and ask God what God desires to show you. I mean, you're listening to all of this. You're here. Take the chance. Ask God to show you what God longs for you to see and to know. Ask God if you've created this persona for yourself. Out of the way you're functioning, have you created a persona for yourself? And ask God, hey God, would you reveal my true self? Forgive me for any false self stuff. Reveal my true self, the one that leads to the fullness of life in the here and now, whether the sky is falling or whether the sun is shining. It still leads to the fullness of life with purpose and passion. Here's what we have to remember. Failure is totally an option. If you're not failing, you're not trying, right? Failure is totally an option. And as we seek our true self, though, may we fail forwards towards God rather than falling hard away from God. Father, we need you so badly. And Lord, this is one of those moments where we gotta wrestle through. We gotta wrestle through what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. We gotta wrestle through what are we putting on? What do we need to put off? What are we, what are we doing that's in your will and your way, Lord? And what is the things that we're doing that are just outside? We're coloring outside. And Lord, it's leading to death and destruction in our life. And we just can't seem to see it. Lord, will you have the scales fall off of our eyes and to be able to see the reality that you long for us to see. Lord, we long for our true self. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see it, help us to find it. And Lord, I pray that you will guide us in the way that we should go. Lord, you know, we, we find ourselves in, in this moment here where we could totally go through this next song and do nothing with it. We could totally just take our time Go through the motions. Lord, may we not be the person who comes to church and doesn't encounter your word. Lord, we cannot come in contact with you and not walked away, walk away changed. So Lord, as you shine the light into those dark areas of our hearts or into the dark areas of our lives, even if those dark areas look really positive to the onlooker, 
Would you shine where our motivation is more self-seeking than you seeking? Would you give us the clarity of mind so that we can live and run our race, the one that you marked out for us? Lord, we love you and we praise your name. Help us find our true self. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.